Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe. Tell us what you think in the comment section and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert, and I am joined by my wonderful friend and third leg, Josh Luck. How you doing, dude? Doing all right. How about yourself? Not too bad. We're uh, we're tagged out. We're tug out. My father-in-law says tug out, and it drives me batshit crazy. Um, Josh is tagged out in his... Uh, new home state of Kentucky as of a year ago, and I am tagged out in Ohio, which is my home state. And uh, we're going to do that hunt breakdown for you with my buck. Um, it's a pretty special hunt, and it was, it's kind of cool because I think what, the people that I share quite a bit of info with, uh, Josh and Pierce, and then uh, like Jacob Emery. Um, I don't think there was really a whole lot of doubt that something was going to happen. Um, it, it's real life. Uh, you know, stuff happens and things don't always go our way. But if ever there was a hunt that I felt very confident in, it was that one. I was so confident, in fact, that I had literally everything you could dream of having in the woods. I had knives. I had a knife sharpener, even though we didn't find that out until the deal was done. So congratulations on that one, dipshit. Um, I had a flashlight, an extra flashlight. I had game bags. I mean, I brought everything with me because I knew that I was going to kill a deer. I felt very, very confident in that. Um, yeah. And it, it, again, you know, not a professional and, and stuff happens. It doesn't always work out, but I've never been that confident in my life. So I felt confident that you were going to kill something because I already had my GoPro charging. I had clothes laid out. 
and I was, <laughs> I was, I was ready to go at a That's moment's confidence. notice. That is, you were a minute man, bro. I was ready. That, that, I was like, you know he's the, gonna call. Do what? you know what a minute man is? Tell the definition for the audience and myself. Okay, I was gonna say no. You're gonna tell me that you're not gonna play it like that. <laughs> So the Minutemen, uh, the Minutemen were the militiamen uh, back in the Revolutionary War that I think it was like two minutes and those dudes are ready to go, like ready to fight right now. Um, they, they had everything basically just like that laid out and they were ready to go. So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the Minuteman wasn't like me poking fun at you like some ladies may have in the past. Um, <laughs> yeah. so that's pretty cool to hear. Um, yeah, we were, I mean, we were very confident. Uh, I could kind of feel it. It was really cool. Uh, I've got a text thread with Josh and Pierce and, uh, they were wishing me good luck and uh, you, you could just, I could feel it. And then, uh, as I'm going through the lake, I whip around a little, uh, like, what would you call it? Like a point. And I see this dude fishing and I'm like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like there's never anybody here and this dude's fishing. So as I'm setting up, I'm popping milkweed, trying to figure out where to sit. And then I get set up and I'm setting up my filming gear and everything. And this guy starts shooting a gun. And, and I think you gotta be like, what are you serious? <laughs> And so I just, I am beside myself and I think, okay, this evening's probably shot. Nice play on words there, um, pun intended. But yeah, I was not feeling very optimistic. After you, were, that. you were pretty down on, yeah. on the whole hunt. Pierce and I could tell it in our message thread. Yeah, I was... I was rough and I, I really struggled finding a tree. I felt good about the wind was just an uncooperative bitch. And then that dude starts shooting and I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and hope to see a bluegill or something. And <laughs> that's about it. So um, I'm sitting there and I notice the thermal pool start and I thought, man, this is, this could be, this could be it. And sitting there and I'm, I'm still uh, learning how to use a big platform. It's different. I thought it'd just be a cakewalk and it's not, it's a lot different. Um, and so I'm sort of just, trying to keep myself focused on what we're here to do. And one of those is to be comfortable and not move a lot. Because if you're swinging around in a saddle and all that, like a dumbass, you're not, you're not going to see a mature deer. It's just not going to happen. They're going to spot you and probably never alert you to their presence in the first place. So I'm trying to just, do what I can to stay comfortable and keep the blood flowing. Um, but also not get too comfortable. Cause you can, 
you can get pretty comfortable in a saddle, but that comfortable is like straddling a tree with your legs around it or something. And let me tell you a little story about not wanting to do that. Like you talk about caught with your pants down. You literally might as well have your pants at your ankles because you are not <laughs> going anywhere fast when you do that. So uh, you will alert the deer. Ask me how I know. Um, what, so, was, what was your comfortable position? Were you sitting or leaning? Multiple. Uh, th there is, for me, there, there was no, so this was a big ass sycamore tree. So yeah. I couldn't really get comfortable. It's a solid tree. There's no soft bark, like a white oak or something where you can just put your knees against the tree. Um, and so I I'm like, this sucks really, really bad. Um, I, I just, I was having trouble getting comfortable. Um, you know, the, the saddle even felt different from what it did in the winter. And of course, you know, in the winter, you've got all these clothes on and all that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I kept going from, I'd put my knees against the tree for a minute or two, and then I'd try to get the tree between my legs, but with my tiptoes on the platform, uh, you know, for a little while, and then, you know, change positions as far as putting my hands in front of the tether to hold on to it and lean back, and then I'd rest my head against the tether, um, and then, of course, I'd do the leaning position and just, and then I'd stand and uh, honestly, probably the best position was standing up against the tree. That helped a lot. Um, but you just, it, you got to get into saddle shape too. It's different. Uh, all the different little muscles that you stretch out and um, strain and stre put stress on while you're sitting in there. You just, you'd never believe it until you do it. So that being said, it got to be about 6.30 and I said, all right, you know, we're not, I'm not letting a deer catch me with my pants down. I'm making sure that I get this on film. We're not, we're not having that. Like we're going to do this right this year. I, I felt like I did a good job last year, but there are things that can always be done to make it better. And one of those is being prepared early. So um, one of the things that I hated was because I'm in a sycamore tree, there's no limbs to connect things to. So I can't connect my action cam, which a lot of people just call a GoPro, but I've got the DJI version. Um, it's the DJI Osmo action camera, and I've got it on a gooseneck mount, and there's no limbs to clip it on. So I had to clip it on my pack. Well, I forgot the one thing that I forgot to bring was the damn cord that connects the, the action camera to my anchor power bank, which is the whole reason that I have the anchor power bank so that I can just turn the GoPro on or damn it. See, I did it. So I can turn that camera on and let it record and it'll go for like eight hours before it runs out of room on the SD card. Cause I've got a 512 gig card in it. So that way you've got one less thing to worry about. You just hit record when you're getting close-ish or all day or whatever, and you're golden. So I couldn't do that, but I could turn my phone on and have the gimbal on and have have that all ready. 
I ran the gimbal on an arm. Um, I was using the uh, the fourth arrow talon uh, with the little whatever they call it. The I don't think it's the micro triple. It's like the triple arm or whatever. But um, I had the micro. That's micro talon. The micro talon, yeah. So yeah. I had my gimbal on. I had the phone connected, and it was on the app up. I had it zoomed into like 2.2x or something. So it, I mean, it was looking good and well lit and all that. Um, and it was ready to go. Well, it got to be about four minutes until seven o'clock. And I said, all right, in a couple minutes, we need to be in the leaning position. And no matter what, whether you're in the leaning or the standing, you cannot be sitting anymore. You have to lean or stand the rest of the time. And once it's 701, your bow needs to be in your hand and you need to be ready to go, you know? So, and I've got, I just got the new UV uh, button release and it clips onto the string. So that's one less thing you got to do, which is nice. And that like, that's worth it in and of itself to me. Um, not to mention that that's my favorite release ever. Um, well, it was like 701, 702. I said, all right, let's, let's get in the leaning position. No longer than a minute, I get to the leaning position. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about grabbing my bow and I look over and I catch movement and I just see antlers parading through the woods. I thought, all right, there's a nice buck. That's not the one. Oh, wow, look at that second buck. That's that damn buck I said that was old. He doesn't score great, but he's built like a damn donkey. And, you know, after the evening I've had with the gunshots and everything, any buck that I said I was going to shoot is a win. So if we can punch a tag on opening day on a good buck, you know, especially a mature buck, hell yeah. Let's let's shoot him. So I reach over, I turned my GoPro on and then I hit the record button on the gimbal. So the phone's rolling and I moved it over because it was kind of getting it out of my bow's way by doing that anyway, moved it over and pointed it at the deer, grabbed my bow. And I mean, they're coming right at me. And I, I thought for sure, I almost knew I was going to get picked off. I couldn't believe the first deer didn't see me. The first deer passed by me at eight yards, and I'm two sticks high with a three-step movable aider. So I'm basically, and this was a tough tree to climb. You could probably say, I originally said around 14 feet, but I'll bet I'm 16, just because while I couldn't get the good stride that I wanted, I did start off by climbing up onto that log. And I started probably about two feet high on that tree. So I'm somewhere in that 16, 16 and a half foot range. So, and and maybe I'm 12, who knows, but I'm not far up in a tree and there's one single little two and a half or three foot long branch with a few sycamore leaves on it. And I was standing above it. You know, I think my platform was just above it. So it, it wasn't really blocking anything. It might have offered something, but it, I'm in the wide open. 
Yeah, I, <clears throat> you showed me the tree. There's no cover. Zero cover <laughs> on a sycamore tree. Um, so I couldn't believe the first buck was a two-year-old, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and I couldn't believe that he didn't throw the brakes on. But they, they were on a mission. They were single-file marching, um, which was different. I'm not used to that. So that second buck was coming, and I drew my bow, and um, I I get everything, you know, lined up, get my anchor point. And what I do remember, you know, you, the adrenaline kind of kills your short-term memory, but I remember just keeping – like I had to keep moving my bow down and down and down and down. I'm like, good God almighty, man, how far can I aim? And I, I stopped him. He comes out from behind the tree and I stopped him and he was courted too pretty good. Um, but I, I've got that hybrid on there. Uh, I feel like my setup's good. I've been shooting good. And I have a decent, uh, you know, background or whatever knowledge base, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I have a solid idea of where to shoot him, I guess. And I let that arrow fly. It, it hits behind the pin and, and the deer explodes and takes off. And then I notice he's like hobbling up real fast. He, he made it like 10 yards before he slows way down. So I'm trying. You can probably see it in my GoPro footage, actually, because uh, it's connected to my pack. I had my quiver in my pack. Cause I just, I got shit hanging everywhere. So I'm like, let's just put the quiver in the pack. We don't need all this stuff hanging everywhere, you know, and one more thing anyway. So I'm trying to get the quiver out of my pack and it won't come out. And I just happened to look up just to check the deer to make sure he's still within sight. Um, and, and I, he just stops and falls over. And I was like, no freaking way. And, and so I hang my bow up, I get my quiver out, get an arrow knocked and I'm just sitting there for a second. Like, all right, you know, he's going to get up. This isn't real. You know, that deer, that deer did not run very far. I don't know how far it is, but he didn't make it very far. And this shit doesn't happen for me. Last year I shot a buck and he ran 27 yards and that's like a fluke. That just doesn't happen. Well, it happened. I ranged him. And I shot him at eight yards and he ran 32 yards, which put him at 40 total from me. So he like, I could still throw arrows at him if I wanted to easily. And uh, he died right there. It, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds or so. And he died. And that to me just makes me feel really good because, uh, you know, Josh and I and, multiple other people have had this conversation. I've, I've wounded my fair share of deer back in the day. And, um, a lot of that was with a smaller cut fixed blade broadhead where you don't have the forgiveness. And, um, with those bigger deer, you just, you know, you start shooting mature bucks and they're tough. I don't care what anybody says. They're difficult. So if you don't, put it where it needs to be. It, it, it can be a, a long day, long night, whatever, as we've experienced multiple times. So to watch that deer fall like that was very rewarding to me because I did put a lot of work into my setup and a lot of work into shooting 
and uh, just a lot of thought in general as to what I did. Uh, I even, I switched broadheads at the last second, like a day or two before, which it wasn't a big deal. It, it was just a quarter inch. Um, I had the K2 minis from Afflictor and I thought, man, you know, this is great if you're shooting long, but I'm probably going to have a closer shot. So why don't I get the bigger one? So it's one and three quarter inch. Uh, it's the K2 hybrid. And so I went with it. I took it outside. Thing was freaking money. Uh, exactly where the other ones were, which is really nice. You can kind of switch out, you know, whatever you need. Uh, I was using the K2 minis for out west if we had to take like a 70-yard bomb or something. So, uh, but anyway, uh, really, really cool to get to experience that uh, to give everybody an idea. The deer came with the wind quartered over their back. They did not come in with the wind. It was pretty much impossible for them to do so, which I think helps. But you also have to have the, that area has to be set up for that. Like bucks don't just do that unless they feel comfortable. Um, it sounds like that buck basically could smell everything from behind him where he couldn't see out in front of him. They had a pretty good visual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whereas my buck on, on my hunt brain town was a little different. He was quartered into the wind because <clears throat> how thick it was and he couldn't see far yep. ahead of him. Yep. Um, so I shoot this deer and I call Josh, tell him I shot a buck. We're kind of celebrating and everything. And um, I look over and there's a doe standing by my buck. And we're talking at full volume. <laughs> <laughs> and that that deer's looking everywhere and can't find me. And I thought, well, maybe you're next. <laughs> so I've got two tags. And then I was like, ah, like, is it worth it to shoot a deer on the phone with Josh and then have two to kayak out of here? Because I'm not going to be home till tomorrow at that point. So uh, decided to not do that. Um, and then later on, I had every single other, uh, every target book but one came right by me at sub 20 yards. And uh, part of me was a little roughed up because a couple of those deer, one in particular, would probably go between 140, maybe 145 somewhere, probably low 40s uh, as an eight, which is a really good deer. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I've had this conversation with, multiple guys and myself uh a mature deer is a mature deer and sometimes we get a little caught up in the inches and i know inches definitely get more attention and when you've got a podcast and a youtube channel and a trade show and all that of course you look better but um i was pumped to give him a ride out on the kayak uh you know that that was something that was cool and super grateful that Josh came and helped me pack him out. We did. It just feels cool and surreal. And I got to say, this shit is a lot of work. Like when you're trying to create content and film and you know, you you're doing pics with the gear that you used, you know, that people might've sent you or you have sponsorship deals or whatever. So We've got like a photo session 
for gear with the deer and all that. We've got a photo session with me with the deer. We've got a photo session for pics with my bow in it. Cause I think, you know, I'll, I'll just say, I think pics with your bow on the deer are stupid. They are not, you know, to me, it's not, it's not a big deal to me that I kill it with a bow. If I shot that deer with a damn 350 legend or a seven millimeter mag or a crossbow, I'd be just as jacked up. Do I feel a little cooler? Yeah. And I'd feel cooler if I shot it with like a trad bow even. But at the end of the day, I got the deer and he didn't make it far. So with that said, uh, when you're in the bow hunting league, you have to submit a photo with your bow on the deer. So we did that separate because I don't, I never post pictures with my bow. I'd rather take a tasteful pic with the deer. So we're doing all that. We did, you know, the recovery and we filmed all that. Then we got the time lapse set up so we could break down the animal and get a time lapse of it. And it it's just like, dude. And then when you're done with all that, you got the the quarters and loins and inner loins in the game bag. We did the gutless method, uh, which is phenomenal, by the way. And we're getting pretty decent at it now. Think of how fast we probably lost an hour of time with that doll ass knife. That's oh, that's bad. yeah. We lost mm -hmm. a lot of time. Lost a lot of what well, we you got through three of the four quarters and then yeah. found the sharpener. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Depressing. So we lost a lot of time there. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham lightweight hunting pants and the midweight Shelton hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid, and I gotta tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. But, uh, you know, you get through all that, you get the animal brick broken down and, and get it in game bags. Now you're cleaning everything up and um, trying to get everything positioned on the kayak for the ride out. And it was just, I mean, it's freaking crazy. Um, and for those that don't know, uh, that might've not seen my post, uh, I flipped the kayak and all the deer meat in the game bags went in the water along with my uh, buck's head. So that was nice. And I had my gorgeous light 
for those that are admiring our pictures, which a lot of people have asked about how we're lighting up everything. Mm -hmm. like, I'm, oh, I'm going to purchase one. Yeah, well, it looks like I am too. Uh, my father-in-law told me to take everything apart and let it dry out. So as I'm doing that, I'm unscrewing part of it where the bulbs are. And I feel a little resistance, and I'm like, what the heck? Well, there's a bunch of wires twisted in there, and I'm pretty sure I just ripped all the wires out. So now Whoa. if it was going to be good, it is effed beyond all belief now. So I'm going to contact them and see if they'll – love me a little bit but i'm prepared to buy another one because that light what's funny is you know i i wondered why josh wasn't super squinty when i was taking his pics the other night and as he's got my light taking pictures of me i'm like dude turn that bitch up it's not going to be bright enough well he had it all the way up you just don't realize how cool it's it's weird to describe it that way but is it it's a cool light that isn't super focused on an area it spreads it spreads the light out to like 200 degrees yeah I mean, it's, it's i think because of how spread out it is it's not as intense yep on like your eyes so you're not like squinting in the dark because yeah. you got this bright light on you so i'm i'm sitting back there like Man, this motherfucker ain't gonna be able to. I'm gonna see <laughs> shit in these pictures, and then I look at him. I'm like, "Damn, that looks good! Wow!" I, I mean, you would never believe in a million years that that light did that good. And I, I will say, I think part of it too is the iPhone. The iPhone with the um, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the term here, and I've got a brain fart. Uh, the exposure, um, uh, yeah. it, it does do a very good job as well. And and for those that even just want to take good pics, put your iPhone on the ratio of six or any phone, put it on 16 by nine, not, not four by three. Um, put it on 16 by nine, turn it sideways and make sure you tap on the screen to focus on whatever you're wanting and just get the light on it and let the phone do the work. And it will do a damn good job. Um, we're not good photographers. We just see see good shots and then let the phone do it with the light. Like it's it's point and shoot, man. It's super simple. So um, for any of those that do appreciate pics like us, it's pretty easy. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to, there's not a lot to break down on this particular hunt, other than obviously opening day unpressured deer you know, that haven't been hunted yet are, in my opinion, your best bet because they're, they're your most patternable. Now you can have super patternable deer in the late season, but you have all the lucky and extremely smart deer that are generally going to be mature and wise. So you're dealing with that and you're dealing with pressured deer and if you don't have a food source, you might as well just go stick your mouth over a tailpipe because that's about as productive. Like <laughs> you're not, you're not in the game. Um, you got to have food. So, and then the rut uh, can go to hell because that's the most inconsistent, annoying thing of all time to me. <laughs> so, uh, one thing: water access is the gospel of the Lord. It helps you control 
your wind and you don't have ground scent. I parked my kayak along the bank. I walked up just in the water on the bank. So to not leave any ground scent, I had my rubber boots on. Um, and then I literally just stood there in the water, popping milkweed and making a decision on a tree. I made a decision, got in a tree. So I have very little ground scent. And then I'm up in a tree. And one thing I will say, though, I feel like my wind had to be blowing right somewhere where those deer were or close to them. I got luckier than hell because it was going straight to where I knew the deer were bedded. Um, so I can't explain that <laughs> other than they smelled me there and then the wind switched and they hadn't been pressured. Like That's all I got. Uh, you know, the, the thermals switched, they came in wind to back and felt comfortable. Um, maybe they don't yeah. do that next year because buddy got clapped, but who knows? When the, when the thermal switch happened, the wind was in your favor or the thermals were in your favor. Yeah. That definitely helped. And it was, it was significant. You, you can feel, you get into those little like, uh, what I was in is like a tributary creek of the lake that I hunt, and you feel the thermal pull, and and it's pulling right out to the lake, and you, you wouldn't believe what that does for you. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, my I, I mean, go ahead. There was, there was a lot of prep and getting it done on the first set. Yeah. Um, like lots of scouting and planning. Yeah. I think I went, so I made, this is, a, this is a very not fun place to go. The drive is crazy. And then you have the kayak ride and the hiking and everything. So, um, I mean, I think I went in there twice during the summer i hung cams went in and checked them repositioned them and left but you can glass these deer as well in on certain occasions uh when the wind's right and they're in the correct ag field um and i i mean i i don't even want to talk about the gas money i spent driving to and from this place and um, you know, looking at these deer and everything. So, uh, put a lot of prep into that for sure. And, uh, a lot of thought and a lot of conversations with Josh and Pierce and Jacob and, you know, just, you know, Zach Kaiser and all these guys that I talk about deer with. So, um, it was a pretty cool experience. And, uh, if there's one thing I could tell people, get out, whether it's on private or public, the public, public, and uh, get after some deer and freaking, you know, go go enjoy a a kayak adventure or something and and kill a deer on public, even if it's a doe. Which I'll be honest, I'm pretty proud of my first public land doe. Um, first public land, anything's pretty cool when it comes to big game. Um, being able to to learn where to hunt on a strip of ground that looks barren, basically. Like you would never believe 
that there's deer there and then all of a sudden here they come so uh and then another thing i'll say i was talking today i think it was today uh parker mcdonald messaged some kind words to me and um we were talking i told him as i've told a couple people probably the best shot of my life as far as camera work goes i missed um i was on my kayak and uh josh had all the camera gear i had my phone but you can't paddle a kayak and hold a phone at the same time and um i saw that cool light from my headlamp hitting that buck on the front of the kayak my the best looking hood order hood ornament you've ever seen in your <laughs> life um mercedes ain't got shit on me um, <laughs> And you know the the mist is rolling across the top of the water, and we're cutting through it. And I just thought, oh my god, this would look so good on film. But I I did take a moment to, well, the whole time really, to soak it up and appreciate it. And and I had this thought, and it was interesting that he said this too. I I said to myself, well, this is my favorite shot that I've ever seen we'll keep this one for me uh, you know this is mine this isn't for anybody else but me and he said the exact same thing and i thought all right i see you <laughs> it's kind of cool to hear so but uh with that said we're excited to kind of swap states now josh is going to come to ohio i'm gonna come down to kentucky yep. um well i guess we should probably talk about the deer a little bit um feel kind of bad so uh, this was my target deer last year, uh, I don't know what the hell happened to the deer. Sick, injured, whatever. I've talked to a couple people. I think Josh is in agreement that it's it's got to be that deer. If it's not, it's the craziest coincidence of all time. Yeah. The When you sent a video of pics of that deer from last year, and the the frame is the same. When you shot him this year, his beams do curl up more, like the the front comes up yeah. more. But in general, the frame is the same. The threes are longer than the twos. You got those long beams that kind of come out and up. The bases on the deer last year both had points coming off at the bottom of the bases. The buck you shot this year, same exact thing. Points coming yeah. off the bottoms. So. I mean, everything about the rack says it's the same deer. Yep. Andy's uh, a mature deer. You know? Yeah. But so, he's like 20 inches smaller. So that's right. like the only crazy thing. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know how to how to take that really. But the funny thing is, is the points coming off the bases. They're like kickers right off the front. They do like a like a curve. Like they look like a the helical in a fletching. Um, it's very interesting. And then he has two, he's a double mini drop time buck. He has two little mini drop times, um, which I had kind of thought maybe he had one at least from glassing him. But every time I saw him, it's pretty low light. So, you know, and the whole time, I thought he was a 10 pointer, uh, mainframe 10 for most of the summer. and. Then I discovered that 
his beams just curled up so it looked like he had extra tines. But really, that was just how the beams ended. So um, super, super cool deer, built like a damn donkey. Um, you know, I I don't know. I think he's right around that Pope and Young range. I could be wrong. Maybe he's a little more. Maybe he's a little less. I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm pretty pumped and and uh, excited to have taken him. Now I've got a badass, another badass memory with Josh. Freaking <laughs> cutting deer up, packing it out. I think I got home around, shit, I don't know, 145, 2 o'clock, something like that. I forget what it was. It was late as hell. Um, and Josh got home later. So... <laughs> Yeah, I got home. I did stop at a Wendy's, by the way. Oh, we could have. Well, we couldn't have really. Well, I, I went the opposite direction. Okay. Yeah, that's than, true. Than what you went. Okay. So I got home at like 2.05. Okay. Damn. Man. So that, yeah, that probably put me home around that quarter till two. It yeah. was somewhere around there. Man, that was so cool. So um, with that being said, we appreciate all you guys tuning in. Uh, these hunts will all be up on our channel in the next week or two. We're going to start knocking them out. We got bucks on the ground, so there's no reason not to not to edit some stuff and play around. We're going to get some gear, gear reviews up and um, have some fun this fall. Maybe do a little small game hunting as well. So, yeah, we need, we need to do that. Yep. With that being said, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. I've been your host. You know what? We didn't do concluders last episode, and I almost didn't let us do concluders this episode. Josh, concluder. <laughs> concluder. Uh, you're right. We didn't do them last time. Uh, so, my concluder for this one is. I guess I guess I'll, I'll do a, a culmination from last hunt breakdown to this hunt breakdown. Okay. Uh, but I think big takeaway is all the prep, right? All the prep that went into these hunts. Uh, like the last hunt breakdown, I had said, you know, two sits is what it took in Kentucky, but it was basically like a year and a half of right. scouting and hunting that led to that your buck this year first sit right but you had pre prior knowledge yep. of this area and and you had scouted a ton this summer so yep. lots of prep went into these hunts to make them efficient now they don't yep. always work out like that no god no they rarely work out like yeah, that. yeah they rarely work out like that but right if you if you put in the effort and time beforehand you you can have that success or at least get yourself in the game on you know a deer that might be harder to kill so yeah i agree and to to sort of build on what you said a little bit um i think we can agree that when you're in the game at least just like out in nebraska you know take you versus me i'm like struggling because i can't buy a deer and you're you and john were on them big time and you know, you feel good when when there's a possibility that you might kill a buck. It's every time you're like, yeah, it makes it easier to get out there to go do the work or whatever. But uh, my concluder is love.
Um, this is the most insane amount of work that somebody could choose to do. Uh, scouting with Jake Bush, talking with him, talking with you, talking with Johnny Stewart, talking with Jacob Emery. All these people who kill these deer. Literally, there is no, like, you know, if we're talking about public land, big mature deer, there's no such thing as a gadget or a magic pill or anything. It is literally just 365 days of year. You're literally e-scouting all the time. You're scouting. You're driving around looking for deer. You're talking with your buddies about the deer that you're targeting. You're refining your setup, shooting, practicing with all this different gear. I mean, it is a constant damn job to try to kill these. So for those that are listening that like to just go out and do this on the weekends or a few times a year, whatever, no shame in that whatsoever. But just keep in mind, you're probably going to yield about the same results other than, you know, that lucky stroke that everybody gets once in a while that I got, you know, I mean, that's why you can explain where I'd go, you know, three, four, five, six years without killing a good one. I, I might get a decent one or something, but when you look at the big ones and, and I know my deer this year didn't, didn't score anything. So I kind of got to check myself. Um, it's not a giant, but uh, I know what he looked like last year. So that's why. You know, to me, I'm I'm very proud of it. But um, so, I guess what I'm saying is, you gotta love the hell out of this hunting thing. And then for people that, or yeah, it, for people that do the filming, <laughs> I think we're stupid. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you what the, what the hell's wrong with our heads? No, it, you have to love this to want to do it that much um, with all the prep work. You know, I thought I was a badass last year when I started scouting in June. And that was a joke. Uh, this year I started scouting in February. Um, and, and now, now I kind of, not that I've gotten to reap the benefits of it, I kind of understand now where Jake Bush is because he gets it done on opening day. And I, I think I'm, I'm not for sure. Uh, this isn't the gospel, but other than last year, I don't know if he was hunting other States, um, especially like technical out of States where he's not you know, going to a state that's uh, he's familiar with the area. Um, so he's got all year to go hunting with buddies and to keep scouting and run cams and figure out what all the other deer did. And those poor bastards don't stand a chance. Uh, so that it just makes so much sense. And uh, that's what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to chase them in Kentucky and maybe Indiana or something, but um, and we'll go from there. <clears throat> but my God, you got to love the hell out of this to want to do it at any decently high level when you're talking about killing mature deer with a bow on public land, dude, props to anybody that does it. 
because that shit is hard. Period. Very difficult. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of work, and a lot of dirty looks from your wife, and you know, my little eight year old girl. Yeah, yeah, it's hunting, and so now, I I. I I tell them all the time, like, nah, I tagged out the first sit. You can't say shit. <laughs> that one into the ground. So with that being said, if you love it, it'll love you back a little bit. Uh maybe a lot. And so far it's loving me and Josh pretty good. So we're gonna have to show it some love back here and hopefully hopefully get some more success or at least some good knowledge and memories. So um and dear meat from all the does that will never blow at us again. <laughs> that being said, we appreciate you guys tuning in. I've been your host, Chris Leppert, joined by Josh Luck, and we will be talking to you soon. See ya. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.